Welcome to the Pace and Freedom with your host, James Pace, where ideas and voices are valued. No labels, no judgment, just conversation. Welcome to another amazing episode of Pace and Freedom. And for this episode, there's no conversation, at least not with a guest. There will be a conversation with myself, I assume. Which, those are always fun, right? I don't know. But we do have guests lined up for following episodes. We have Theodore from Crowdfunded Government. He was on uh, not too long ago, and his episode will be coming out next week. So look out for that. But before we get started, we're going to go into our pre-roll announcement, which, by the way, thank you, everybody that's been giving me amazing feedback on it. I am so glad that you guys love it. I'd like to do more. So if you have a small business that sells online or have some sort of service that uh, is online or, you know, whatever, and you want me to make an announcement, go to my website. It's paceandfreedom.webnode.com and go to advertise with us. Give me the information and I'll see how I can help out. As you can tell, our pre-roll announcement is amazing. I got to do it with a really good friend of mine and we had fun and the result was amazing. So here we go to our pre-roll announcement and then we'll go to our episode. Hey James, what you got there? Oh, just CBD gummy bears. Gummy bears with CBD, you mean? How do they smell? Just like candy, but with just CBD. Here, let me smell them. Oh, they do smell like candy. Yeah, it's my daily supplement that helps me with creativity and helps me focus on my conversations with guests and listeners. Check it out. JustCBDStore.com and check out all of their amazing products. Alright, I'm pulling it up right now. Just make sure to use my 20% off discount code, PIF. Alright, let's go ahead and get started with our episode. So, I had to go through this recording so many times and I just didn't like it. I kept having to go back and edit and then restart and just, I wanted to talk about things that kind of matter. If I'm going to do a conversation with myself, we better make it count, right? So, I was inspired this morning, I don't know how all these thoughts when I woke up and after having my anarcho coffee and I did the mocha this morning, which is amazing. It tastes great, smooth, not acidic. And it gave me energy. And then I was inspired. And the things that I want to talk about today, including my interaction on Twitter with a certain individual that (laughs) just spiraled out of control and uh, I did some things that I probably um, not necessarily regret, but definitely could have handled better. And yeah, I was inspired this morning. There's so many things that just kind of popped in my head. And I was like, I, these are things that I should be talking about, right? And one of the things actually that I want to talk about, we're going to have an episode about, and I'm looking forward to it because the guest who's going to be a surprise guest, and I can't wait to introduce her. And I think you guys are going to love it, especially on the libertarian side mostly. But I think it's very important for all sides in the political spectrum to hear her out and hear her story. And 
I am super excited about it. I think that this that episode will be definitely an important one for many, many people that need to hear her story. It's going to be very, very important for people that are in that industry to know that there is an advocate out there for them, that there is a validation, and that at the end of the day, you're the owner of your own body. And regardless of how you got into that industry, regardless of your background story in it, at the end of the day, you own your body. You decide what route, what journey you want to take. So this surprise guest, we will be talking about sex work. And I'm super excited about it, not because of sex work. It's I'm super excited about it because I've realized that there's not enough advocacy for these people. And, you know, libertarians, we talk a big talk about self-ownership and about body autonomy. And, you know, yes, it's in our uh, charter that we support the rights of sex workers but we don't have enough conversations about it. So with my surprise guest, we'll be talking about the rights of sex workers, self-ownership, body autonomy, things that we've talked about in past episodes, but in the perspective of sex workers and the perspective of how different stories of how people ended up in that industry bad or good, and how, again, at the end of the day, you're your own owner of your own body, and you can either get in or get out of that industry. Nobody necessarily has to obligate you. Yes, we know about sex slaves. We know uh, about human trafficking, and those things we do need to do something about because there is a victim, but when you choose, when you're self-owner of your own body and you consent to work in that industry, you consent to receiving pay to give yourself to someone else, that is your own choice, and it doesn't make you a bad person. That's the message right there, that you're not a bad person for choosing how to use your body because if that was the case we should be criminalizing athletes we should be criminalizing parents that forces children to participate in sports in school we should be criminalizing teachers that encourage children to do good in school in order to uh, participate in athletic events and because in that case, you're doing the same thing as what these sex workers are doing. When you go play a sport, you know that you're doing harm to your body. Yes, we know sports is healthy, exercise is healthy, but not at the extent that a lot of these athletes go into they really force themselves 
uh, student athlete, high school student athlete injuries are on the rise because we force them so hard to do good and to do better to the point that they injure themselves. And how is that any worse than a sex worker who chooses to put herself into the arms of another person in exchange of a benefit? So I honestly don't see the difference. Now, again, yes, there are sex slaves, there are human trafficking that we need to be concerned about because those are victims. They don't have a choice in the matter. They've been forced into it. That's just common sense that that would be criminalized. And we shouldn't criminalize the person that was forced to be in that position. We should criminalize the people that are victimizing uh these human beings. So there's a huge difference and we're going to get way into it, way deep into it with my guest. I am super excited about it. I have talked to this guest uh, numerous occasions and she just seems like an amazing person. She has an amazing story and I cannot wait. All right. Next thing I wanted to talk about is about the feminist episode because I did get some feedback on that and it was mostly positive. I am so thankful for Raylene Lightheart and Danielle Walker. Thank you so much for being on the show. You ladies were amazing and I'm just so honored to be um, have a friendship with both of you and it was a great conversation, and I have this idea, thanks to you guys now, of doing almost like a series of episodes, not necessarily about feminism, but I think it would go right on with the sex worker, and I'm going to somehow find a way to tie it all in together with other topics, and at some point... I want to try to bring some of these guests, if you choose to be back on the show together and do like a one amazing medley episode where I have past guests that have had some sort of connection with those different topics that somehow relate and have this amazing, amazing conversation. And that will probably maybe be the season finale. So I am planning to do break this podcast up in seasons. And that episode will be the season finale. And I'll take a short break and go into the second season and start up again and maybe find that topic again that I can connect with other topics and then do another season uh, season finale with a medley of guests with all those different topics that somehow have some sort of connection and have that amazing conversation. And I would have had that idea if it weren't for you two. So thank you so much for that. So I'm excited. This podcast is really doing really well. I cannot believe the guests I've had. I can't believe the success, the traction that it's gaining. I mean, granted, I'm not there like some of my other friends uh, podcasts who have like, you know, triple digits, high triple digit 
subscriber four digit subscribers but i have the excitement and hope of it reaching that point and it's all thanks to my friends supporters family and the guests that have been on thank you so much so again with the feminism topic the feedback that i got i thought was amazing and what i would like to do is talk a little bit about we during that episode we talked a lot about we talked about females and males and the feedback that i got is that we kind of tried to sympathize too much with males and in that within itself was kind of a disjustice injustice sorry injustice uh to females in the feminism movement and again, when we talk about fem- feminism, if you listen to the podcast, we're not talking about the radical feminist, the man-hater feminist. We're talking about true feminism and its core of fighting for women rights and the sense of we are all human beings, we're all equal, and these double standards that we have for the different genders and the kind of stigma that feminism has as far as like sense of feminism and for females, males, uh, LGBTQ community is a negative stigma. And we tried during that episode to do our best to kind of keep it equal between males and females and how it affects both. And when I went back to the podcast and listened all over again, I did notice that we did a little bit of an injustice to the woman's side because we lost track and trying to, I guess for me it was, we were trying to fight the negative stigma of feminism and we focused too much not too much, but more on the male because it seems like on the male side, that's where sometimes the feminism stigma is mostly demonized. Danielle kept trying to bring it back up, you know, that females are seen less as humans at times and a lot of times, right? And I was thinking about it because I got some feedback from somebody about... And this will somehow tie in back to the sex work, but at strip clubs, for example, right? You know, and my younger self, and I won't deny it, I, I went to strip clubs. And if you notice at a strip club, you know, the males really, when they look at the females, and again, this is nothing against strippers, okay? Again, you're your self-owner. Nobody forces you to be at a strip club and dance naked in front of a man, right? That's not the point of this, though. We're talking about feminism and the sense that this negative stigma of a woman being seen less than human, they're an object, right? And that's not necessarily a stripper's intention. Their intention is not to be seen as an object. You know, they're doing a job, they're doing a service, and I guess how you can look at it, right, if a Uber driver is a, a service, you don't see the Uber driver 
as an object, as the vehicle, the vehicle is the vehicle, that's the object, and the driver is a human being providing a service. It's the same thing with a stripper. She is providing a service, but if you ever go to a strip club, males can be very, not the word, I, I don't, I can't find the word right now in my head. I want to say aggressive, but not, that's not the word that I'm talking about, uh, thinking about actually. But the way they just look at females, they, they don't see the person, right? You're looking at tits, you're looking at butts, and that's all they see, you know? And I, I try to think back from my youth, and there was a point where that I did start ch- changing the way I was looking at strippers. And I remember actually that moment when my perspective did change when, you know, I, I asked for a lap dance in the VIP room and I was getting my, my lap dance. She tells, she asked me, Hey, are you with, uh, are you with that guy out there? And it was my, a friend of mine or not a friend of mine, a coworker. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm with him. And she asks me, can you guys kind of, the people that you're with him, can you guys try to calm him down? And I was trying to think, and I was like, okay, well, you know what? I was thinking, what happened, right? And it got me thinking, so I started observing a lot more. And I noticed my coworker, every time he got around her, he would just like grab her try to get like embrace her and stuff even though he's not paying for the service right and being possessive and at this point it like dawned to me it's like man that that's a person you're just grabbing like if that was me you know and some random person just kind of grabbed me i'm not providing a service to that person or you know really interacting with that person i haven't engaged with that person why the fuck would they grab me and it finally dawned to me i was like damn you know so you know and at that point i intervened i was like hey man you know let's uh let's just watch the show right because there was a girl dancing and stuff i was like well, let's watch the show man you know and i try to separate her and let her go do her thing a lot i know a lot of people are going to say well she shouldn't have put herself in that position she shouldn't you know, work in that industry if she doesn't expect that to happen. But do you just go into a Uber vehicle without requesting the Uber vehicle on your app? Do you just get into some random person's car and just, hey, drive me over here? Like, that doesn't happen. There's an interaction that happens, right? With the Uber app, you request an Uber, and that's the interaction, that's the contact the uber gets there they ask you are you james and you say yes there's the next contact that's the consent and then you get in the vehicle the uber driver provides the service he gets you to where you need to be and that was all free market interaction right there what my co-worker was doing was seeing a vehicle with an Uber sign on it and just jumping in without permission and saying, get me over here. Okay, there was not an initial contact of service 
there wasn't a request. So you lost, there's a loss of consent there, which is the primary step of any transaction is requesting consent. So my perspective changed at that point where I saw that females a lot of times are seen as objects. Now, does it happen to males too? Yes. So I did some research on this, right? And, you know, if you look at the numbers, right, the ratio between females and males, strippers, are enormously different. Males, they have this idea that being a stripper, right, or providing a sex work service is beneath the male gender. So you don't see as many just volunteering to do it. And that's the stigma that we need to fight against, is that if a female chooses to go into that service, she's not making herself, lowering her her status by doing it. There is a service that needs to be provided. A woman feels that she can provide that service. She should have the right to provide that service and consent to who she provides that service with and receive benefits from it. But there should be a mutual consent, right? There's that contract. So, you know, let's use another example is housing, right? Do you just see a home, break in, and just make yourself at home? I mean, there are people that do that. Very, uh, very, very few, but that is illegal. And it's a crime. No, you see a house that's for sale. You contact the agent. You go through the process, you pay the money, or you get a loan to pay for the home, and then it's yours. There's a transaction. There's a consent between the owner of the home, the previous owner of the home, and the new owner of the home. There's, It's no different. And a woman shouldn't have to feel to be an object because she's providing a service. We don't do that to Uber drivers. We don't do that to homeowners. Uh, home sellers. We don't do that to other people that provide services. Why should we do it to a woman that's just trying to do a job that she feels that she does a good job at providing that service and treat her with some respect? And that's the part of the feminism movement that I am inspired by of this self-property, self Um, body autonomy that I am all for and I support any woman that says that she's a feminist and is actually fighting for the right of a woman to be treated equally to be regardless of their decisions regardless if you want to be a mother or if you want to be the sole provider of a family and you have the right the choice to pick any avenue and still be treated as a human being and not as an object. And I think that's the message. Again, that seems to be the theme that I'm following. I think Danielle will probably agree with me on that. And I think Raylene would agree with me on that. And thank you so much for that episode. All right, 
I'm going to move on to the next thing I wanted to talk about, and that is my Twitter interaction with a certain individual. And this segment of this episode is in regards to Matt Baker at real underscore Matt Baker, who we had an interesting interaction with. Crowdfunded government was part of that interaction as well. And uh, Theodore and I talked about it during uh, the episode that him and I recorded, which will be out next week. So, hey, Matt, you made it on my podcast twice. So congratulations. And I'd like to invite you in for a conversation on my podcast. So let me know. I'll probably just do a, a small segment, maybe, with you or something like that. We'll figure it out, you know. That's what this podcast is all about. It's about conversation. Now, Matt and I had an interesting interaction on Twitter, and we went back and forth, and things got a little heated between him and I, and it was it got a little ridiculous, right? And this is something that I'm always talking about in my podcast is about conversation, right? And one key factor, and I've talked about this in past episodes, of conversations is listening right and the problem i found with matt was that he wasn't listening and i'm talking about active listening and i know the interaction was over twitter so it was all typed right so it wasn't really listening it was reading but in the sense of communication's sake he wasn't actively i guess reading but for the sake of conversation listening and what i mean is to listen to understand not listen to respond and matt just could not overcome that hurdle right myself and crowdfunded government continuously acknowledged his point and we kept telling him we we get what you're saying and we understand and we're, we know what you're talking about terrorists, but here, this is what we're wanting to put into that. And he continuously, insanely responded. And what I mean by insanely is the actual definition of insane is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And we weren't getting there. So we couldn't have a conversation. Things got heated. And uh, I was, and I apologize for being a little bit too harsh with you, Matt. And you're right, you know, for the sake of conversation and the sake of winning hearts and minds. And I don't really need to win your heart and mind because you, from what I can tell, are already a libertarian. I just think that perhaps maybe you're newer in the libertarian movement. But something that you learn in the libertarian movement, and that is a common theme when I talk to other libertarians, is that we're all so different. The libertarian spectrum in itself is a very, very wide spectrum. Forget the right and the left, which is, in my opinion, some are extremes. The libertarian spectrum in itself is immensely wide. And you're going to get different ideas of how liberty should be executed, I guess, or protected. And 
you're just so focused on the idea that tariffs is a better option than taxes because it provides a choice. And we understood your point, but you were wrong because it doesn't provide a choice. And crowdfunded government did an excellent job explaining it. And you completely dismissed them and dismissed me on the point that it doesn't matter if you produce everything here in the United States. One, you cannot. Okay. And you kept asking me over and over and over again that name one product that cannot be produced here in the U.S. And I kept telling you, you can produce every product in the U.S. But the thing is, the raw materials... You cannot get enough in the U.S. And you dismissed that point over and over again. You just continuously asked me, after I said this, that the raw materials to produce are not enough in the U.S. We may have every single product, or sorry, not product, raw material, but we don't have enough to produce. That's why we import. And certain qualities of these raw materials are better elsewhere. And you just kept going with, well, what product can we not produce? What product can we not produce? And here I am. I am being a little rude by making you sound a little dumb in my, like, expression. But the thing is, you are missing that point, right? And there are products that cannot be produced in the U.S. A perfect example is jamón ibérico. Hamomi Iberico can only be produced in the Iberian Peninsula, which is Spain and Portugal. It's the only place in the entire world that Hamon Iberico can be produced at. So what is Hamon Iberico? Hamon Iberico is a cured ham. It's only made by the pigs that are raised and the Iberian Peninsula, and that's not what makes it Hamon Iberico, not that the pigs are from Iberian. It is a factor because I know the argument you could make was like, well, we can just bring Iberian pigs over to the United States and breed them here, and then there you go. You have Hamon Iberico, but that's not how it works. The Hamon Iberico is produced because the Iberian pigs are raised in a certain manner in a certain environment that can only be reproduced in Spain. Everything from the acorns they eat can only happen in Spain. And there's a whole article about it. You can look it up on Google. Look, Google Jamón Iberico. Uh, all I had to do was Jamón Iberico can only be produced in Spain. And there's an amazing article about it. And the only reason I know this is because I was raised in Spain. I wasn't raised in this country. I came back to this country when I was 16 years old. I was born in this country and then raised in Spain and brought back to this country at the age of 16. So I have good knowledge of this. And there's a perfect example, right? But then it goes back to raw materials. We don't have enough in this country to produce the amount of supply, demand, for this country, and not to mention the export that we do of our products to other countries. So 
The argument you could make is, okay, well, we can be isolationists and only produce for ourselves, but even then, you still cannot produce enough without the raw materials of imported goods from other countries. And that's why tariffs, there's no option, because at the end of the day, companies have to pay for these tariffs, and they'll have to make up that money somehow, that profit somehow, and we end up paying for it, and that money goes to the government. So your idea is flawed. Are tariffs maybe better than taxes? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of things that are better than other things, right? If we look at the elections, many will argue that President Trump was better than Hillary Clinton, and it may be true, but evil's evil, right? So, Matt, I would love to have this conversation with you, but in order to have a civil discord, you have to listen actively. Active listening requires you to listen to understand, not listen to respond. And if you are able to do that, I would be more than happy to have a conversation with you on this podcast. We could do a small segment if you can't do a full episode, or maybe we can do a full episode, we can have that discussion. I would love to. If uh, I'm going to probably, right after this episode comes out on Monday, I will retweet the original response of this discussion. And I think if I do that, you can follow the entire uh, feed of the interaction that Matt and I had, I know for a fact in that interaction, and I'll concede that I was the loser because, Matt, you really got to me, the fact that you wouldn't listen, and that made me react in a negative way, and I could have, knowing what I know and knowing the platform that I'm trying to achieve with my podcast, I was in the wrong to react in the way I reacted. And it's something that I'm trying to fix and many people are trying to fix. And it's the hope that I have with this podcast is for people to change their perspective and change the way they listen, change the way they conversate, uh, change the way they communicate. And, you know, it's not all bad because it made me realize something that I'm not perfect, that even though I've been creating this platform of trying to get people to unite and see commonality and have a civil discord, I am still flawed in myself and I could trip and fall sometimes, but I'll pick myself up, learn from it and move on. And I hope you can do the same, Matt. So Matt Baker at real underscore Matt Baker. I hope you're listening. I hope you do get to listen to this podcast. You'll have to listen through the entire first 20 minutes to get to this part of the segment. And the reason I'm doing that is so that way you can hear about kind of the topics that I talk about and about my past episodes, and maybe you'll get interested. And hey, I am all about getting people to help me spread this message that we can have civil discord and we can reignite liberty. And I think that together we could do so much. And that's with anybody. If you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican, if you're a liberal, conservative, um, moderate, whatever, libertarian, uh, socialist, I think that we can all get together and 
discuss things through and come up with ideas and come up with ways to live together and defend each other's freedoms and our beliefs. I mean, there's so much we can do with this platform, and I think that's amazing. So I'll end this episode with that. Thank you so much for listening. It's because of you, the listeners, my supporters, that I continue to do this. I continue to come out with an episode every week, even if I'm by myself. It doesn't mean that I am not going to have guests on. I have an amazing lineup, but in order for me to have time to edit episodes, I have to always do almost like these solo fillers to make sure that I always have an episode out every Monday. And I think these solos are important because it does let me recap. It does let me explain more about myself, my ideas, uh, and spreading the message of this platform. It complements. It complements all the other episodes, the uh, conversations that I have with my guests. So if you have an idea for a topic and you want to throw it out there, please visit my website, paceandfreedom.webnode.com. There you can fill out a form to communicate with me, or you can follow me on Twitter at Pace and Freedom and communicate with me there. You can also go to my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Pace and Freedom and message me there. There's so many ways that you can talk to me uh, or email me. My email is also on the website. So... I'm always open for ideas. If you want to be on the podcast, you know, go ahead and communicate with me and tell me what you'd like to talk about. Maybe we can make some time for it. And that's all I got. Don't forget that we also have merchandise. You can donate to support this podcast. You know, it's not easy to do these podcasts without some financial support. I am right now self-financing for the most part. I've had contributors, and I deeply, deeply appreciate your contribution. Every little bit counts. It really does. But it does cost money at times to run these podcasts and to make better content, to give you the quality that I think you deserve. And with your financial backing, you know, not to be begging for money. I'm not begging for money. I'm just saying that... Any contribution does help make this podcast just a little bit better. That's all I got. Thank you for listening to Pace and Freedom. And have a good night.